0: You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson.
1: Hello, Eagles fans, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. I figured that, you know what? It works so well for the Philadelphia Eagles that, guys, I'd bring us together into the shower for a little pre-podcast get-together. Get everyone hyped up. Get everyone on the same page. Just like Sam Bradford did Sunday in the Eagles' win over New Orleans. There we go.
2: There are so many places this can go.
1: The, yes, very much so. But if, if that was the place of motivation, if that was the place where it all came together for the Eagles' offense on Sunday, Sam rallying the troops, coming in from the field after warm-up and saying, guys, let's get in a shower.
0: I kind of need this, actually. I had a long day yesterday.
1: So yeah. a little wake-up, you know,
2: soothing. Relaxing. I will say that I do, and I think we've talked about this in the past. I do think of a lot of ideas for here for work in the shower. True. Oh, very much so. I thought of Scott's th- notebook in the shower.
0: I F- think t- of, I really think about well. game time in the shower. <laughs> yeah, uh, I sing in the shower too. I do never, you? I, I don't sing in the shower. I do. No. No.
2: I do. What is your go-to uh, your go-to track? Uh.
0: I have a bunch of different ones. I sing the national anthem a lot in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's a great way to start the day. <laughs> That's how you wake yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> you should try it sometime.
1: Let's rally the troops. That's good. Oh. Yeah, there we go. Yeah.
2: It's a good week for it. Yeah. Where
1: would he be? Oh, geez. We used to love this track. Oh, yeah. And Journey to the Draft, 2014. That was... We loved it. Fun times. Every episode. And then he gets drafted. Yep. By the New York football giants.
0: And then we can't like him anymore. No. Did you see his, uh, during the broadcast last night? They, as they always do, they showed his, uh, his pregame routine. Mm-hmm. Right. with The catches with he the was catches, making.
1: Yeah. Isn't the lead producer for Sunday night Football, <sighs> yes. Fred Goodell, a huge Giants fan? That's why years ago when Victor Cruz scored a touchdown, they actually faked They've, the salsa music.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was very outraged about yeah. that when that happened. Um, but during ODB's pre- pregame routine, uh, it looked like he was just photoshopped, like into midair. Like, a person shouldn't be able to jump that high, but I guess we can't. Like,
1: he's him. a freak, an absolute athletic freak. Now, we'll get more into this matchup later on in the show. But it seems like if you put all the Giants receivers together, you might have one who's actually healthy for this yeah, Sunday's game that's, that's between Cruz, Randall, and uh, and Beckham. Right, with the plethora of injuries, so uh, doesn't seem like Victor Cruz is going to come back. If We recall that it was the Black Sunday game last Mm -hmm. year where Crew suffered the patellar tendon injury and hasn't played since.
0: A year from today, exactly. As we're taping
1: this, correct. Yes, as as we're we're taping taping this on Monday. Um, And since this will not go up until later in the week, they're going to bring back the all-black uniforms for
0: Monday night.
2: (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yes, indeed. Listen up,
0: everyone. Breaking news. Breaking news on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Well, we're going
1: to say this now, but it's going to be you know, 48 wow. hours from now. So
2: That is why it's the Eagles Insider Podcast. <laughs>
1: uh, but much lighter mood here following the Eagles' 39-17 demolition of the New Orleans Saints. Later on, we're going to get to your questions and mailing it in. One of them, uh, very pertinent, just what should we take out of the win? We're going to get into a little game time. Alex, I can only imagine... What do you have in store for us this week?
0: I like I like the game this week. I have a good, good feeling about it. Uh, okay. But, I mean, you guys will be the judge.
1: Uh, enemy Intel, you guys will break down the matchups. I'll have the interview, but first things first, let's review the win in our three and out. One two three. Three, three is
3: a
0: magic number. Three. Three. Now it's time for three and out.
1: All right, so for those of you who have not Subscribed or listened to the podcast in the past. Three and out is where we each take a segment of the game and take a little deep dive into what we liked, what we didn't like from the Eagles' performance. And I guess I'll kick things off here. The Eagles get to two and three on the season. I'm going to take a quick big picture approach. And there are a lot of comparisons between this team that started one and three and the one that started out the 2013 season at one and three and what they were able to do to rebound. And to me, this team, I think, is better talented, has more talent across the board from a team standpoint. Mm -hmm. And the schedule sets up so favorably. The key is obviously this game Monday night. If they can get the win on Monday, they'll have a tough game, another primetime game in a short week at Carolina, team that just finds a way to keep winning. Mm -hmm. They're one of the undefeated teams. You get the bye, but then you get the Cowboys after that. And then you get the Dolphins the Buccaneers, and Thanksgiving with the Lions. Three games that are very winnable. So if the Eagles can take care of business, it comes back to one at a time, and it's going to be a very emotional night. It's going to be an electric night at Lincoln Financial Field because you have the Hall of Fame induction of Maxie Bond and Brian Westbrook, two giant killers in their day, in their prime. So I think certainly the fans are going to be juiced. But I also just like the fact that if we're looking back at the Saints game, I appreciate what Chip Kelly and Pat Shermer did to get the win from the offensive standpoint, where I'm sure they had a blueprint of what they wanted the offense to be at the beginning of the season, and things haven't quite worked out exactly as planned. I think they wanted the power run game to be first and foremost at the forefront every single game. You know, that hasn't quite worked out, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's not being able to get anything to go in the pass game, whether it's... Sam Bradford and his up-and-down performance, I'm sure it's all all tied together. But on Sunday against the Saints, they used the pass game, the short pass game, to open things up early on. Offensive line did a great job, best performance of the season, starting to gel together. Sam Bradford got into a rhythm, and then the backs were able to take over. I think it was 45 plays they ran in the first half. Well, mm-hmm. that second half, that took its toll on the Saints. So now the key is to carry that over from a consistency standpoint, but also to execute better. They could do a little better in the red zone. Two turnovers down there, not acceptable. Only 10 points despite 300 yards of offense in the first half. Have to do better than that. But I think that's a good thing is they didn't play so well that you're like, all right, you know, you can start annoying them again, saying, all right, they're definitely out of the doldrums. Everything's been cured. There's still a lot of things that when the coaches have them back in on Wednesday, that they'll be like, all right, here's what we have to
4: fix.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it, it's interesting. You know, um, you never want to get too high or too low. And like you said, I think this was a game where things could have gone better, but at the same time, they put up 39 points and had, what, 519 yards of total offense. Yeah. So uh, even with those those two interceptions, and the first one was just a poor throw by Sam Bradford, uh, second one was uh, a better play by the defender. I think it was Bro who came away with the. the you secondary. mad bro? You mad bro? Uh, which it's so fitting that he plays for New Orleans because his name is spelled B R E A U X. Yeah, it's perfect. It's like it was meant to be.
2: Yes, and I would agree. I think that you know, the the throw is a little bit behind uh, uh, the receiver there, but I think it was more more of a great play by Bro yeah. than, than a, a bad throw by Bradford. And uh, clearly, the throw, the the first interception. Going to Riley Cooper, the play was set up perfectly. Mm-hmm. It was the correct throw to make. Uh, it was there. It just had to put a little bit more air on yeah. it. Yeah.
1: So why did the offense succeed? I think Alex will take a bigger picture look at that, specifically the early down situations.
0: Right. It's something that the coaches have been talking about for weeks, it seems like, when, when the questions have repeatedly come up, why aren't things clicking on third down? Why haven't the Eagles been able to convert more third down, stay on the field longer? Keep the defense off the field. All those questions, and it all goes back to first and second down success. And on Sunday, CMAC, as you said, whether it was whether they were coming out and throwing it, whether they were running on first down, no matter what they did, it just seemed like they were pulling the right strings early in the downs uh, and getting ahead of themselves. Uh, and Fran, you'll love this stat on first Ooh. down today. Uh, on first down on Sunday. I think the Eagles racked up 349 yards of offense just on first down. I went back and watched all the tape. <laughs> I broke it all down. 349 yards. That, I thought you would find that, that
2: interesting. That sounds familiar.
0: Uh, Fran tweeted that earlier today. <laughs> uh, that he's, the one, he's the one who does the actual work, and then I just got to talk first, so I stole it. Um, no, but, and again, it's whatever, whatever strings Chip Kelly was pulling, it was working, and it was consistently, you know, seven yards here six yards here so instead of getting set up with those you know third and eights third and nines it was third and two third and three and then when you get to those situations you can start using that power run game you could get Sam Bradford out moving a little bit and use bootlegs to to get plays open down the field they were just doing whatever they wanted to do against the Saints on Sunday uh and I think it was really nice to see
2: yeah and, it, and we you, we talked about it last week sitting right here was that uh they had 24 first down plays last week and only eight of those 24 plays went for more than four yards. I mean, they, they just struggled moving the ball early in, in the in the down. And then you look this week, they averaged eight yards of play on first down with 44 attempts. So, uh, you know, just the success that they had, the ability to execute across the board where there was the receivers, yeah, you know, reeling in and finishing the catch, the offensive line protecting, the offensive line opening up holes in the run game, uh, the running backs, you know, having the vision to be able to find creases there uh, and pick up positive yardage. It was just a better job across the board by everybody. Uh, And like you mentioned, I mean, it gave the the coaching staff the flexibility. When you have more opportunities, I mean, they had almost double the amount of first down opportunities this week. Now you've got the ability to see all the boot action. You see all the different misdirection plays. You see uh, the different screen passes. I mean, they went pretty even with run pass ratio was 24 to 20 in favor of the run Uh, 16 or 12 of those 16 under center uh, runs that we saw yesterday came on first down. So it just gives them the ability to be more flexible. They try more things. Uh, it It was really good to see. All
1: right. So let's transition to the defensive side of the football and a player who we've said deserves all the accolades in the world put on quite a show, a historic performance on Sunday. Yeah. Fran yeah, take it away
2: that's uh that's Fletcher Cox and a guy that look I mean honestly watching it's not like I'm, I looked at it and was like oh man I was really surprised he, see, he looks exactly the same as he's looked all season long and really what we've seen for the past two years uh he just was able to get three sacks this week and, and force two fumbles and obviously that the you know they were great plays individually but uh you know there's lots of contributing factors to those plays the coverage was great on the back end uh as I broke down on the uh, the Eagle Eye and the Sky Column is going to be on on Tuesday. By the time you're listening to this, you'll hopefully have read it. Uh, there were some great plays by some of the linebackers to kind of open up some of those uh, those plays there for Cox. But um, you know, the guy is, he's just an animal, and he, I think he's I think it's safe to say he's the most talented player uh, on the team at this point. He's 24 years old. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the guy's just a beast, and hopefully he gets the recognition in the postseason uh, that he deserved last year. Hopefully he gets it this year but uh you know cox was playing at a high level benny played at a high level i think going into this week and we talked about this last week alex and our enemy intel the the saints quick passing team Mm -hmm. loved to feature the running backs in the passing game coming into the game in four games weeks one through four they had 48 targets in the passing game to the running backs so spiller mark ingram kyrie robinson 48 targets 421 yards for 8.77 yards per target uh, in the pass game. Per target. Not per even, target. Per, catch. Not even per, per, target. per catch, per target. Okay. So not even just saying, oh, the 80-yarder the, the, the to, to C.J. Spiller. Like, there were other huge plays in the passing game that went to those guys. On Sunday, nine targets, 11 yards, 1.22 yards per attempt. Uh, just really, really impressive job by the Eagles defensively. Malcolm Jenkins was manned up on running backs. Yep. Jordan Hicks did a great job. When Najee Good came in at the end of the game, uh, he had six reps in man coverage. He did a great job against the running backs. So uh, really, just impressive team defense again on Sunday from the Eagles and that unit. I mean, they're not getting the love that they should, but they're really, really impressive so far.
1: Jenkins did a great job sniffing out some of those screen passes. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it seemed like he knew that offense yeah. just as well as well. You the know, what's, what's
2: ironic is, is that what was the old school all 22 play uh, last week? What, who was the game the the honorary game captain for this week? Uh, won Sheldon Brown and that big hit on Reggie Bush. Opening play of the game, swing pass to this to the sideline, and same uh, effect, obviously uh, Malcolm Jenkins didn't have the huge hit that uh, that mm-hmm. Shelton had, but it was the same play and same read there from uh, from Jenkins. So very interesting, uh, really, really great job from the defense. It
0: was interesting to me uh, earlier in the week. Drew Brees on his conference call said that uh, he raved about the Eagles' starting safeties. He spoke about both Jenkins and Thurman, how they have corner skills and how they're able to cover everybody. And both of those guys came up huge on Sunday. I mean, Jenkins had an all-around really nice game. Thurman comes away with another pick, nearly runs it back. Um, but this starting safety duo for the Eagles, its it surprised me with, with with how well that that they've been working together. But they've been awesome.
2: Yeah, and, and you've seen not even just Jenkins and and, uh, and Thurman come up and play at a high level. But then when we go to nickel and you see guys like Chris Maragos come in, who, who got to see more reps now that he's healthy again, uh, coming in and play at a high level. He made some plays. Uh, you know, just the secondary overall, huge, huge props to Corey Unlin and, and the job that he's done. I mean, uh, this unit is night and day, not just from a talent perspective, but just the way that they play, the trust that they have in their technique. And, you know, when a guy's beaten off the line of scrimmage, there's no abandoning technique and panicking. It, it guys work to get back in a position. You saw that in the one deep throw to, uh, to C.J. Spiller on the wheel route. It's basically the same idea that he scored on that, that touchdown in overtime last week malcolm jenkins works in you know works get back in position finds the ball pushes him out of bounds incomplete pass ej biggers did the same thing against brandon cooks down the field i mean all all these guys we've seen it week in and week out eric rowe nolan carroll byron maxwell all these guys uh, doing a good great job and, and following through with their technique
1: so that's going to do it for this week's edition of three and out now let's transition to the interview and
0: now it's time for what you've all been waiting for
1: the interview this week's special guest on the Eagles Insider Podcast, tackle Lane Johnson. Lane, thank you very much for joining us this week.
4: Yep, great to be here.
1: So, take me to the locker room. Pre-game. Mm-hmm. Guys are about to take the field mm-hmm. to play the New Orleans Saints. And quarterback Sam Bradford wants to have a pre-game meeting. Mm-hmm. Pre-game huddle. Uh, it's a unique place, he calls for it. Mm-hmm. In the shower where you guys have mm-hmm. in the locker room. And I kind of want to know, what was the speech like? And before you before offer your explanation... Yep. I wanna know, was it sort of like Al Pacino in any given Sunday? was it really dramatic? (laughs) It was,
3: (laughs) I don't know what to say really. Three minutes till the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team or we're gonna crumble inch by inch, play by play till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. <laughs> Believe me. And we can stay here, get it kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back
4: into the light.
1: So was it dramatic like that?
4: Uh not dramatic like that, but it was kind of a similar situation. We 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 are true. in hell. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> when you're losing this hell. But uh no it was kinda of actually a spur of the moment right before we came out. Uh he called the offense back there and pretty much just Went back there and got our attention. He, I mean, you know, he said, you know, we had the talent, we had the ability to just going out there and getting it done. Focus on what you have to do and get your job done. Uh, you know, it's kind of what we owe to this team and, and help the defense out because they've been playing, you know, really well the past few games. Because so. I was w- wondering, like, was he emotional, like, Billy Bob Thornton? We go Friday night lights route. Um, you know, he was definitely very uh, – uh, You got two
3: more quarters and that's it. Now, most of you have been <laughs> playing this game for ten years.
4: He tugs,
1: tugs you on heartstrings
3: a little bit, you know. after that, yeah. most of you will never play this game again as long as you this live. This is actually one of my favorite now, speeches. This isn't really? All. Yeah, I like this movie. And for <laughs> a long time right now, now you've been hearing me talk about being perfect. Well, I want you to understand something. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. It's not about winning. It's about you and your relationship to yourself and your family and your friends. Being perfect is about being able to look your friends in the eye. And know that you didn't let them down because you told them the truth. And that truth is is that you did everything that you could. There wasn't one more thing that you could have done. Can you live in that moment as best you can with clear eyes and love in your heart? With joy in your heart. Right if there. If you can do that, gentlemen.
1: Clear yeah. eyes and love in your, your heart. heart. Yeah. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Was that what it was like? You went to, obviously, a very small school. Yeah. in Texas. Yeah. But obviously, Friday
4: Night Lights, originated Texas. Was that what it was like? Yeah, uh, I mean Texas, is like, a, like I mean football's religion in Texas, especially some of the bigger schools like Odessa. You know, some of the big schools like that. So I mean, it's kind of like college, to be honest. But yeah, that brings me back to high school, just losing my last game. But I, I remember, you know, every time I think of that, I think of I think of high school. I think of where I'm in now, and just try to enjoy every game I play in, because you you know never know when it's going to be your last. So you were a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, mm-hmm. were you the guy that gave those types of speeches? You know, uh, th- there was some times where i do that, but more, uh, most of time when I spoke, it would be during the game, you know, if we needed to get a drive going. I-, I try to lead by example more than be vocal, but if I had to be vocal, you know, I would. How much did it help having Sam bring you back there and rally you guys together just to kind of set the tone early on? Uh, it definitely got me fired up because he's a guy that don't really, you know, say a whole lot, but really? when he does, you know, he means – he means well, and uh, you know he got us all fired up. Just you know, got got me really ready to play and, and give it all I got. Was it sort of like why here in this room of all places? No, it like? was it was really the only private place. It wasn't in the showers. It was, uh, okay. it was actually the the area right outside the showers, like right by. Gotcha. The, you know okay. where people shave and stuff. But okay. Uh, um, That's but, what you're trying to think of. It's like it's yeah, like all right, Sam, yeah, we like, get but, the but, message. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, by the six, no, it's really the only area of the privacy uh, other than you know the locker room itself. So. I
1: feel like that obviously riled you guys, but maybe it was a little bit of voodoo. Guys were playing the Saints, New Orleans. Mm. During the week, you hung a Jason Kelsey doll mm. out, off the locker. Why? Why was it that he was the? Well,
4: actually, I I, I had no part in putting the doll up. Oh, you had no part. I, I, I went it. to a okay. meeting and then I came back and and it was hanging. I was like, okay, it must be meant to be, and I didn't touch it since. And you know, we got the win. <laughs> And, uh, you know, what I what I need to do, the doll still has its ponytail, so I'm going to get some scissors and cut the ponytail off Gotcha. when I get done with this. So no one knows who put it up there? No, no one knows. I think I have a few ideas. I think maybe Jason Peters or somebody did it, but, I, you know, I wasn't there. Who is the prankster of the bunch along the offensive line? You know, a little bit of everybody. Um, you know, I, I do it every now and then. JP does it. One thing about our old liner room, you really don't want to walk in there because it doesn't smell too good, especially after lunch. It's a, it's it's called the death zone, the Bermuda Triangle. You don't want to be in there. Speaking of Jason Peters, yeah. did you
1: guys talk during the week because both you guys are battling injuries, yeah. but I'm sure you both realized, look, this was, like you said, a do-or-die type game. You had to have it. Yeah. didn't want to go to one of four. Did you guys talk during the week to say, you know what, we're shooting up, we're battling, don't even think about it? Not, yeah, not I
4: mean, playing. yeah, yeah, I talked to him. Uh, you know, we, we knew we weren't 100 uh, percent. You know, I was feeling actually a lot better than, than when I was. And I know he uh, was getting back to, you know, getting healthy towards the end of the week. But we knew we had to be out there. We knew we had to battle. And when we were out there and, and we played good, then usually the team wins. So, uh, you know, it's kind of our message throughout the week. Do you think this is the type
1: of game that will get things rolling? for you guys. Yeah, well, I
4: think it, you know, definitely got some energy going in the locker room, got some enthusiasm going. It just it felt good to to get out there and put up some yards and put up some points for, you know, really the first time uh, this year. Was there anything drastically that changed whether it was with the blocking
1: scheme, with the play calling, or was it simply execution the it, buzzword that's been you know, in the building. It,
4: it was simply execution you know uh, we went out there you know unfortunately had two you know turnovers there early but we recognized that we were moving the ball you know saints were doing nothing to stop us so um what felt good was getting the 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 run game going getting the inside zone and then mixing up with the outside zone and doing some some bootleg stuff and, and getting that going so I think it was just a well-balanced game uh, when you look at it. You know we executed on on all levels. What I like about the performance that you guys had was that you had the interceptions there early on,
1: but no one seemed to get down on themselves. No one seemed to go in the tank because with the team struggling, Uh it's easily something that could have happened at that point in the game. Why do you think you guys were resilient enough to overcome well, that?
4: you know, we just saw that we were moving the ball down there. Uh, you know, efficiently, the Saints weren't doing anything to, to stop us. It was all on ourselves. So we felt confident just that we're moving the ball. And we're like, hey, we're just going to do it out again, and we're going to get a score in these next few drives.
1: How much have you guys, you know, cemented that trust in Chip over the last couple of weeks? Because a lot of noise from the outside is, you yeah. know, trying to say, you know, oh, things aren't working. The moves they made this off season obviously didn't – push the right buttons. Internally, how did you guys kind of block all that
4: out? You know, you can hear the noise when you go back and watch the tape. It's really just guys, uh, you know, not getting the job done. You watch the first two years, you know, we have, you know, one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in the league. And, you know, Chip's always put us in good situations, good schemes. And it was just, you know, you know, we do have different people on the line. We have different people on the offense. So it just, it takes some time to get things gelling, get get people confident in what they're doing. And I think, you know, we're starting now.
1: Preview this uh, Monday night's matchup. New York Giants. A defensive line that doesn't have Jason Pierre-Paul, the explosive pass rusher, mm-hmm. but a lot of good stout linemen who are good at clogging up the run lanes. Mm-hmm. Give us a preview of the matchup
4: that you have on Monday night. I think Colin Jenkins is one of their, uh, you know, best interior linemen. So we got to watch out for him. You know, Kerry wins a guy on the outside. that's going to rotate with I think him and, and George Selvey. Um, You know, Selvi's a veteran pass rusher himself. Wynn's a big guy. You know, two seventy-ish, um, and they have Robert Ayers. I'm not sure if he's playing, but I think he is. He's probably their their best pass rusher. Um, you know, right now. A uh, guy that, that a guy that was in Denver for a little bit, and uh, you know the secondary has some has some good speed uh, with Cromartie. So um, you know it's just going to it's going to be a, a you know the battle won up front. I, I'm pretty sure the defense is going to take care of itself, but you know it's going to be us. Uh, you know we gotta we gotta dominate the D line for uh, us to get this win. Take me through the
1: game playing process because this is a Giants front that doesn't do a lot of slanting, a lot of the things at least on table what they've shown in the past few games mm-hmm. this season, but. Teams have done it against you guys in the past, so mm-hmm. I know uh, Pat Shermer said, I expect to see it, even though it's not something that you typically see. How do you guys kind of prepare for the unexpected, um, so to speak? If you that know, I think,
4: sense. you know, when we play the Jets, the tackles did a lot of jump setting, and then we went to the Redskins next week, and as soon as that we started our jump set, the I guess the Redskins' DNs were taught to, to dive under. You know, it was just what they are taught, and that's, that can mess up, a, a you know, uh, offense line, especially if you're not expecting the game. So it's something that we had to be expected, to come, you know, this week, and we have to, you know, get it done in practice and, and get the scout team running the, the the stunts and just just get prepared for it because when teams see lines go out there and dominate somebody, they have to find a way to change it up, and mix it up, and, and give them something they're not expected, you know, to, to get. Lane, you were the first draft pick of the Chip Kelly era. Mm. Where do you think you've made the biggest progress since the time that you've arrived? <laughs> you know, pro- probably my second year, uh, you know, yes. Uh, that's what they usually say is the biggest jump is from your first year to your second year. So I think I made a big jump there. And I think I'm, I'm making a, you know, a jump even this year, just just playing stronger. Um, you know, I think this past game is probably one of my better games against a pretty good DN. Um, but just I want to be consistent. You know, my, my Redskins game wasn't, you know, my best game, but I've had probably, you know, four out of the five games have been pretty solid. So I'm trying to, you know, from here on out, you know, not have any any meltdowns, go out there and play consistent the rest of the year and get the job done.
1: Do you think the criticism that's been levied on the offensive line has been a bit overblown, whereas when everyone kind of needs the punching bag on why the team struggled out of the gate, that's gone to you guys?
4: No, I, I think it's I think it's legit. Um, I mean, when you go back and watch the film, it, it is the whole line, not getting the job done. And and when you don't, the offense is, is not going to – you can't do anything when when your line's not, not giving anybody time to throw any running legs. You're going to struggle. So – you know, I think it was an accurate assessment by, by everybody. Uh, it's just, you know, we had to come together and, and, and learn from our mistakes and, and move forward, and I think that's we're, what we're doing now.
1: Going back to the draft, uh, one of my last questions here. Mm-hmm. Do you ever compare what the guys like Joko, like Fisher, Deion uh-huh. Jordan, like those guys that went ahead of you, what they've done in their careers?
4: I mean, I've seen what they've done, but, you know, they're in different situations. Um, you know, I try not to, to fault them or, or try to compare myself too much. You know, I think I'm in a better situation now, but – uh You know, uh, I've worked real hard at it. And, you know, there's still a long time, you know, left in our careers. But, you know, right now I'm happy where I'm at. Do you ever compare – I wouldn't say
1: you would actually compare, but do you ever find it fascinating that – I mentioned you were the first draft pick of the Chip Kelly era. Mm -hmm. That you made this meteoric rise from, you know, little school in Texas, grew up in Texas, Mm -hmm. didn't get any offers for college. All of a sudden you're number four overall pick. Mm -hmm. And you have Chip Kelly who was coaching at the collegiate level as an assistant – and within a decade, is head coach of a National Football League team. Mm. Do you guys ever look at the? Do you ever look at the parallels of just how, or just ever been amazed at how quickly that you've been kind of able to rise the ranks?
4: Yeah, I mean, when I go back and look at it, I mean, I never in high school, I never would have thought I'd be here, especially playing offensive tackle. But just you know, my mind wasn't really set on big things. Uh, you know, I kind of had a small town mind, you know, and I was, I guess, expecting to stay around there. Then you know, just just things keep pro- progressing in life. You keep learning and growing, and Eventually, you know, you find out a lot about yourself, you know, when you're faced through adversity and, and how you can overcome it. So, you know, I think me and Chip have had similar, you know, rises. So, um, you know, the, the story continues, though.
1: What, what do you think made that spark? You said you maybe didn't think you would end up, you know, going that far, I guess, beyond mm-hmm. Groveton. So where do you think that, uh, that mindset got instilled where you thought you maybe you could
4: you Go know, on to bigger, better things. It was so just to speak. all my mental state. You know, I think a lot of guys have always seen my ability, but I just couldn't see it myself. I've always been negative, and you know, over the past years, I just learned to 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 grow mentally. You know, I've seen how much I, I can overcome. I've seen, you know, what I can do under pressure, and you just get more confidence. But you know, just I, I think being from a small town kind of limited. You know, I think my my mindset there for a little bit. Lane Johnson. Your offensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you very much for joining us here on the
1: Eagles
0: Insider Podcast. Time to get ready for game day. It's time for enemy intel. All right, well, it is time for enemy intel. Big matchup this weekend, obviously, uh, a lot on the line in NFC East division that is entirely up for grabs at this point. So, Fran, Eagles and Giants, what I really want to know is Odell Beckham Jr., obviously one of the most talented receivers in the NFL. He's made a huge impression since coming into the league, even though he, he hurt his hamstring a little bit in their last game. If he plays, what extra dimension does he bring to that Giants offense?
2: Well, really, when you look at this Giants offense, especially the passing game, what you have is a unit that tries to simplify what they do. So it's a lot of very basic pass concepts, a lot of very quick three-step pass game route concepts where... Eli Manning is able to drop back on his third or fourth step. He's able to to step up, and he's getting rid of the football quickly. So we've got a lot of double slant and slant flat and all these West Coast system concepts that allow Eli to get the ball out quickly and get it into the hands of a guy like Odell Beckham, a guy like Ruben Randall, Victor Cruz, if and when he becomes healthy again. But when you have a guy like Beckham, because he's so dynamic he's so good at the catch point he's so explosive with the ball in his hands and without the ball in his hands that gives you an extra dimension because now on those simple routes you're able to then turn them into giant plays so even though you know let's say they run it with uh if they still had hakeem nicks okay who's obviously not the kind of athlete that odell beckham is sure he catches a slant pass and okay now you're talking okay that's an eight yard gain odell beckham's able to turn that into a 67 yard touchdown he did it against atlanta earlier this year so that's where that extra dimension comes from and then just his vertical ability he had a catch against buffalo that went out of bounds it was basically the same catch that he made last year against dallas uh you know in prime time where he goes up with one hand falling out of bounds this time he actually was out of bounds so the catch didn't count and he didn't get the prime time uh look there but really just a phenomenal athlete and just one of the best receivers that's come out in the last few years and that's really what he brings to this offense is because you have a, a system that is constructed to get the ball out quickly and he's able to take it the distance from there
0: is this the best offensive fit for Eli Manning since he's been in the league this Ben McAdoo system
2: you know I think that he's probably playing as well as I've seen in terms you know from when I've started to study him and it is a good fit because when you want to say QB friendly and I think it was Chip Kelly a couple years ago said every system wants to be quarterback friendly you want to put your quarterback in a position to succeed and this offense does that you know Aaron Rodgers has executed it to a high level and it's interesting I was talking with Craig Cosell Greg thinks that Eli runs this offense better than Aaron Rodgers because he plays within the system and uses it within the system, whereas Aaron Rodgers, you know, we've talked about it in the past in preparing for Green Bay, he's a little bit more reactionary and is able to kind of, uh, you know, make some plays on his own outside of the structure of the offense where, you know, maybe he doesn't see it immediately, but he's got the athleticism to escape and make things happen with his arm, whereas Eli Manning, look, he's going to drop back at the, at the top of his drop, he's getting rid of the football. I mean, you know, that you watched him against against Buffalo and Rex Ryan a team, a scheme that always blitzes. You know, they're, they're known to come after quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Rex Ryan barely blitzed them because he knew, hey, there's no reason for me to try and bring extra defenders because the ball's coming out so quickly. Right. I'm better off just leaving them at home. So I'm excited to see how Bill Davis decides to attack this offense.
0: All right, moving ahead. Uh, The Eagles wide receivers, obviously they took uh, a little bit of flack early in the season um, for not being able to get that vertical passing game going, but we saw Nelson Aguilar have a nice game against Washington. We saw Josh Huff with a nice game the last time out against the Saints. So how do the Eagles wide receivers, the Eagles passing game, how does that match up against the Giants secondary with guys like DRC and Landon Collins is a guy who obviously just got put into that defense. How does that play out?
2: You know, I think that Prince Amukamara has developed into a pretty good young corner for them. Uh, we we know what kind of physical talent DRC is, and and what he brings to the table from his physical skill set because of his size, because of his vertical speed, and because of his athleticism, his quickness, and, and change of direction. So, uh, you've got two corners on the outside who are very very talented. I think Amukamara. Uh, his instincts have gotten better each and every year has been in the league. He had a great interception against Washington on a dig route uh, down in the in Washington Territory where, you know, he broke on the ball. I, it was three steps before Pierre Garçon hit the top of his route. So uh, he's really, really come along in that respect. But you look at these corners, I think when you get into the deeper parts of their secondary, you know, Tremaine McBride and Trev and Wade, I think there are guys that you can attack there. Now, to, to be fair, this is a team that, through five games, they've only allowed one pass play of over 40 yards. They've only allowed four total of over 30. So they've been pretty sound in their technique. That being said, I think you know we've talked all spring about what Landon Collins brings and how you can attack him in coverage. And I think that's an area where the Eagles can look to take advantage. Uh, can you get create matchups with Darren Sproles with Zach Ertz? We saw Zach Ertz matched up on DRC a year ago and yep. score a touchdown and you know down in the red zone. So. Uh, I think that you know, for a team that, and look, the Giants play more zone than man. This is, a, this is a zone coverage team. But when they do play man, I think that there are some areas there you can attack.
0: Sticking on the Eagles offense, uh, the running game really got going against the Saints, 186 total yards on the ground. Uh, but they're going against a Giants front that, while they may not have a lot of you know, star players or notable players, uh, second in the league in rushing yards allowed at 80.6 yards per game. How do the Eagles get the running game going against this Giants front?
2: Well, they've definitely got to continue performing like they did last week against the Saints and, you know, that that E-word execution and and being able to be consistent across the board along the offensive line because we talked through the first four weeks that it was, you know, four out of five guys would be on top of it or five out of six guys would be on top of it and one guy would miss a block and that would derail the play. Uh, It's got to be consistent production across the board from the offensive line and from the tight end position I thought Brent Selleck was outstanding this past week in the run game Uh, that will need to continue against this Giants front like you said number two in the league with uh, 80 yards a game against on the ground Uh, to me the standout there is Jonathan Hankins the the defensive tackle from Ohio State who has just turned into such a force against the run Uh, he destroyed that Washington run game back in week three uh, just kept them from being able to move the ball whatsoever. I thought he wrecked that game. Uh, you know, you've got Kerry Wynn, who I liked out of Richmond uh, a couple of years ago, who's play, he's played a pretty high level at left defensive end. Our friend Cullen Jenkins is still there, and he's and still a starter. He plays inside a defensive tackle now. Uh, They, you know, they rotate a lot of guys inside, you know, on the defensive line at linebacker. They've been rotating, you know, John Beeson is healthy uh, and they've been kind of moving some guys here and there. But Devon Kennard has turned into a pretty good strong side linebacker for them. Uh, Jonathan Casillas, Awaniunga, who's a second year player. I mean, they've they've got a good rotation of linebackers where they're rotating these guys in and out. Uh, The key will be can can the Eagles offensive line execute.
0: Where does Nikita Whitlock fit into this?
2: Oh, man, my guy. He so, uh, he's their starting fullback, right? Okay? And he took the, he took the job there uh, this past offseason. And what you've got is a, a guy who's I think he's six two, like two sixty. He was something along those lines in Wake Forest, uh, and he was a defensive tackle. So they, you know, John or Tom Coughlin brought him in, wanted him to play special teams and convert him to fullback. So he's done that. Once he earned that role, he said, "Well, look, we can we can use some help over on the defensive line." He comes in and he's a sub rusher. Uh, he wins with his quickness. He wins with his motor. And I'll tell you, man, he, you saw the same things I saw at Wake Forest. You see him, you see it from him now. Uh, he'll come in on third down, and he just he just tries to wear you out. I and mean, he's just a nasty guy. They were double teaming him in Buffalo, and he was still you know sneaking through and getting into the backfield. Uh, has come up with I believe two sacks in the air, a couple TFLs as well. Uh, really disruptive player for them now. And of course, he plays you know ten, fifteen yeah. snaps tops. But when he does play, he is pretty disruptive. So uh, interesting to see there from uh, from Nikita Whitlock.
0: Not many two-way players left in the NFL. Three-way. Play special teams. There you go. So he's the last of a dying breed, Uh, but we'll see how it all shakes out on Monday night. Fran, great stuff as always. Uh, Everyone be sure to check out Fran's all 22 breakdowns on PhiladelphiaEagles.com with eagle eye in the sky. Now we will move ahead into game time where we play two truths and an Eli. Get
2: out your scorecards. It's game time.
0: My favorite segment of the Eagles Insider Podcast. Not that the other ones aren't entertaining, but I like game time. So, for today, uh, we're going to go back and forth, and we're going to play the game Two Truths and an (laughs) (laughs) E-Lie. Instead of Two Truths and a Lie. And an Eli. Two Truths, which which is a a stupid icebreaker game um, that we always had to play in college and stuff, but... Never played it. <laughs> I was say, you never had to do that, like no. class, like on the first day, like you uh, stand up one by one and like talk about yourself. It must be a Fordham thing. I guess so. It's Jesuit education. <laughs> um,
1: did you see? But at the end of the Giants game on Sunday night, the uh, celebration that Manning did—he <laughs> no. got all fired up—and I'm like, "Oh, that's a gif that's gonna be played. <laughs> Brian Thomas, our producer, is doing totally it. <laughs>
2: Was it better or worse than the dance that Brett Bielema did after? Oh, the I, haven't seen, the flop? Oh, no, no, I haven't seen the video yet. I haven't seen the video. Oh, that. it's amazing. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> so, Fran's going to pull out his phone for oh, me while we're Fantastic.
0: Two truths and an Eli. Okay. So, we'll go back and forth. I'll read you three things. Two of them are true, one of them are false. You okay. have to tell me which one is an Eli. <laughs>
2: Do we, have to punch, do we have to punch in first? Or we, no, it's going, it's going back and forth. All right, all right, okay, all right, so okay. I have
0: a few for each of you, depending okay, on uh, how we're running with time. So C-Mac, you're up first. Okay. So here are the three, here are the three uh, statements. Julio Jones leads the NFL in receiving yards. Malcolm Floyd leads the league in yards per catch. Larry Fitzgerald leads the league in receiving touchdowns. Which one of those is an Eli? Uh, Malcolm Floyd. Fran, agree or disagree?
2: I would disagree. What would you uh, say? Uh, it might be Julio. Julio he, he, he didn't have, have a great play. game Yes. Yeah,
1: because yeah, the Fitzgerald, mm. one, is, the Fitzgerald one
0: is true. Fitzgerald is true. Yeah. Six receiving touchdowns leads the league. Malcolm Floyd does lead the league in yards per catch at 20.9. Julio Jones does not lead the league in receiving yards. Who does? Anyone?
2: Uh, Alan For Hearns. For bonus points?
0: No, it's not Alan <laughs> Hearns. AJ <laughs> Green. Think about a guy who just gets every target from his team.
2: Gary Barnage. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> the
0: answer is DeAndre oh, Hopkins. Hopkins. Uh, no, yeah. there you yeah. go. 578 yards compared to 545 uh, for Julio Jones. So that, was te- that
2: was a textbook bait, bait and switch there for uh, yeah. you know, laying out the, the Malcolm Floyd. <laughs> yes, he is.
1: On, yes, DeAndre Hopkins is on my fantasy team. <laughs> I'm just counting the, I just count the points every week. So. All
0: right, so no points there for CMAC. mac uh, Fran, this one's for you. Okay, here we go. Matt Ryan leads the league in passing yards. Okay. Eli Manning is third in the league in passing yards. Third in the league. Tom right? Brady is fourth in the league in passing yards despite missing a game.
2: Which one is the lie? Which one is the lie? Uh, Matt uh,
0: Ryan leads the league, Eli is third, or Tom Brady is fourth?
2: uh, I will say Eli Manning being in third is the lie.
0: That is incorrect. incorrect. C-Mac, chance for rebuttal. The the lie, I
1: think, I'm going to say would be Matt Ryan.
0: That is correct. Uh, Because I
1: believe Andy Dalton is Uh the league leader in passing yards.
0: Very nicely done. The red rifle leads the league in passing yards. All right, moving right along. We're still on C-Mac here. Okay. Even after he stole that one, we're, we're going back to him here. All right, C-Mac. Eli Manning leads the league in passes attempted. Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck are tied for the league lead in interceptions. And Russell Wilson has been sacked the most of any quarterback.
1: It's got to be whatever the
0: first one was It's the lie. Eli Manning leads the league and passes attempted? Yes. Incorrect. Fran, would you like me to read the options
2: again? Uh, what was the second one? Because Russell
0: Wilson
1: is definitely been
0: Peyton Manning more. and Andrew Luck are tied for the league lead in interceptions.
2: Oh, that's fu- that's false. That one's false because Andrew Luck missed a game, missed two games. He can't lead the league in oh. interceptions. Well, well,
0: that's correct. They're both one off the pace. Right. Any guesses uh, as to who leads the league in interceptions?
2: Let's
1: see. Um, oh, Kaepernick.
0: Incorrect. No? It's a player who was benched on Sunday.
2: Oh, Matthew Stafford. Correct.
1: Oh, geez.
0: Eight interceptions for Matthew Stafford.
2: Rough week for Georgia Bulldogs football.
1: <laughs> I knew the Russell Wilson one was true because it's like twenty two sacks. He's on it's on pace for like, like seventy. Yeah, that was the number I saw that. David Carr. And then what was the what was the first stat?
0: Eli Manning leads the league and passes attempted with one hundred and ninety seven. He's throwing yeah. the most passes in the NFL.
1: Well, somebody attempted... I think it was because Josh McCown had, like, attempted, like, 50... something. I I was thinking that somewhere along the line someone else had more than that, but... And to Manning's credit, he's only thrown... Is it two interceptions? I think it's 10 to 2? He's
0: thrown... Yes, two interceptions. And
1: 10 touchdowns, I believe.
0: Uh, 10, 10 touchdowns, and he's only been sacked four times yeah. all year long, which okay. I think is the most of any NFC quarterback who's played every game, so not the guys who have come off the bench, but... Interesting. Um, so moving right along. Fran, Yes. this one's for you. Your, <laughs> your guy, Jordan Hicks, is tied for the league lead in fumble recoveries. Fletcher Cox has more sacks than DeMarcus Ware. The Eagles lead the league as a team in fumble recoveries. Which one of those is an Eli? I'm
2: going to go with Jordan Hicks as the Eli.
0: Incorrect. Um, you guys are not doing very no. well. no. C-Mac, any guesses? Um, the other two options were Fletcher Cox has more sacks than DeMarcus Ware, Ware or, or the Eagles lead the league as a team in fumble recoveries.
1: I'm going to say the last one.
0: Also incorrect.
1: The Fletcher Cox one is the Fletcher July. Cox one is, is an Eli. Eli. Fletcher
0: Cox has four sacks on the season. DeMarcus Ware has four and a half. Okay. C-Mac, we're going back to you. Yeah. This is... Pathetic. This yeah, really
2: bad. We need to go back in the shower for another pep talk. <laughs> you guys want
0: to go back in the shower? Do you want to play the rest of the game in the shower? Yeah. Can we? I think we're firing up. the. Uh, uh, we're getting yeah. it warm. We're getting the water there warm. There we go. <laughs> All right. After that
1: poor performance, we don't deserve any hot water. So.
0: <laughs> C- All right. See Mac. <laughs> the Eagles are a top 10 scoring defense. The Eagles are top five in pass breakups. Or the Eagles have more sacks as a team than the Seattle Seahawks? Which one is an Eli?
1: The middle one, the pass breakups.
0: Incorrect. First one. Correct. Boom! Uh, the scoring defense. The Eagles are fourth in the league in Excellent. pass breakups with 28. The Eagles are not a top 10 scoring defense. They are 11th at 20.6 points per game. But they do have more sacks than the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks,
1: I I know, don't have that many. Oh, they just got their first interception, I think, of the season. I think that was the big stat. Yeah, they didn't have
0: a pick. The Saints didn't have a pick coming into the game. Yeah. And I think, was it Washington, the other team that didn't have a pick? That might be Uh, right. Anyway, who are we on here? Uh, Fran? Fran will. All right. uh, Since the game is uh, two truths and an Eli, we'll start getting into Eli Manning questions. Sure, okay. (laughs) All right, Fran. Eli Manning finished his college career with negative 135 rushing yards. <laughs> Eli Manning finished his college career with negative 6 receiving yards, or Eli Manning finished his college career with zero rushing touchdowns.
2: Ooh, what's oh, a good <laughs> so, one. So,
0: negative 135 rushing. I'm going to say the third one.
2: The third one is the lie. That he never scored,
0: a, he rushing never scored a rushing that touchdown. touchdown. That is correct.
2: <laughs> Those that other numbers are shower. true. Yeah, <laughs> he just used the That's all. <laughs> uh, that well, because you have the college rule of sacks count as rushing yards. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So negative one
0: thirty-five. He had one reception for negative six yards, and then they said, "We're not going to do it. And We're not going to throw yeah. him anymore." Um, not a good yards after catch guy. Apparently. Last but certainly not least, we come to C-MAC. C-MAC. Well, I
1: start and finish. Lucky
0: me. Oh, did we? Well, did we, we, we go we, on we, even? We'll, we'll, uh, we may have let been let on even. Show, but. <laughs> well, is anybody keeping score anyway?
2: Your fans winning like one nothing. Barletto said that he'd get your scorecards out. So. I n- I didn't bring anything with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I've given you guys
0: a chance for rebuttals and back and yeah. forth. Yeah. All right. Well, on, on paper, this one says C mac so I am winning right now, but we'll let that go. Yeah. All right. Here you go. All right, C C-Mac. This is a tough one. <laughs> Eli Manning finished second in Heisman voting during his senior season. Eli Manning's middle name is Nelson. Eli Manning <laughs> graduated from Old Miss with a degree in marketing. Which one of those is an Eli? I think it's the middle name, Nelson. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Eli's middle name is indeed Nelson. All right. Elisha or Alicia. However it's Eli- I knew
1: e- Elisha. Elisha,
0: Nelson. What Manning. was the very oh, right. first one? The first one was Eli Manning finished second in, second Heisman, in Heisman, Heisman voting his senior season. Or then the other option was that he graduated from Ole Miss with a degree in marketing.
2: Uh, I will go with the first one as the lie.
0: Correct. Eli Manning finished yeah. third in Heisman voting. Can you name the, the first oh. two?
2: He finished oh, third. Man. So going back to that draft. Oh, man.
0: So was it 2006? No, it was 2004,
2: 2004. draft. Yeah. So
1: okay. it was 2003 season. I can
2: remember yeah. lots of players in that draft. But the the no guy, well, here's the Heisman thing Heisman the win. guy
0: who won the Heisman wasn't a, team, wasn't wasn't draft a wasn't the high yeah. draft pick. Really? I, I, don't even even thinking, I don't even know if was he was it drafted. It no, wasn't it Oh, oh. it's was Jason White. Correct. Wow. From who Oklahoma. finished second? Now, this player, unlike Jason White, is a Hall of Famer, most likely. Who finished behind Jason White ahead of Eli Manning? Is most likely a Hall of Famer. Not Big Ben? It's not Big Ben because he was the same draft. I was thinking uh, Phil Rivers. It's it's not a quarterback. It's not a quarterback. Not a quarterback. quarterback. This guy has been mentioned earlier in this game.
2: Earlier in this game. Larry Fitzgerald. Correct. Oh wow. Correct. Interesting. Look
0: at that. So there you have it: two truths and an Eli. I think Fran wins. Yes. uh, On my imaginary scorecard that Chris Barlow told me
2: to keep. That
0: was pathetic on my part.
2: Shut out victory, by the way. Maybe a harbinger of things to come here.
0: I think Fran was head and shoulders oh. above c in that game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was really dialed in.
0: You are suave. Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, let's just do the awkward transition from uh, games in the shower to mailing it in.
4: Captain, incoming message.
1: Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived.
0: Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in our segment, mailing it in.
1: All right. So we went to Twitter, solicited some questions to get your uh, your take on what you want to have answered. And the first one comes to us from that Eagles guy, two and three with the record in the name, wants to know what are our thoughts on Jordan Hicks moving forward.
0: Uh, well, first of all. I have a huge bone to pick with the Eagles guy, no, two and three. Really? At Philly Eagles 201.
1: Don't go off on him like Chip went off on the ref. <laughs> I
0: well Chip Chip got his first penalty, and I'm going to get my first one here <laughs> because we, you, we, you sent out the tweet from Eagles Insider. You tagged Fran Duffy, and you tagged myself, both of us in the tweet. So when everybody replies to it, it includes every Twitter handle. Well, that Eagles guy, this guy, took me <laughs> this out. This Eagles guy? Yeah. He took me out. He responded to at Eagles Insider and he responded to at F Duffy three and he took me out. And it wasn't even like his question went over the character limit. It might have. No, it didn't. I don't think so.
2: Well, th- your problem is, is you've got a long handle, sir. No, uh, you that's... need to change from like at.
0: I just did change it. I made it short.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I got
0: a bone to pick with that Eagles. Guy.
1: Fran Duffy, social media savant teaching yeah. us the ins and outs at Alex
2: underscore Smith PHI.
0: Well, there's, there's really not a lot you can do with like Alex Smith. Like every, all the good uh, ones sure. are already taken. Like there's, I mean, what else relate to the game? There, there's not a lot. Smithers a lot, at, lot at Smithers. At <laughs> Smithers. <laughs> right, well, I'm going to look for at Smith. You guys, you guys can talk about the question. I'll look at at Smithers.
1: Uh, it, it's at, interesting because chip was asked in his day after press conference on Monday. What's it, what's going to happen when you have all four guys healthy now, Of course, Chip just kind of tosses the hypothetical aside because, you know, knock on wood, God forbid if something happens to Jordan or D'Amico this week. But to me, Jordan has to play moving forward, and it's just going to be a benefit because, you know, D'Amico's had to play a lot more snaps early on in the season than you were anticipating, and certainly we don't know when Kiko's going to be back. You're hoping Michael's going to be back soon. I mean, neither have, have practiced. Right. So until they practice... We have no inkling as to when they're going to be back. It's a week-to-week proposition. Um, But certainly Hicks, to me, has earned the right to be in the lineup whenever those guys come back.
2: Yeah, and and it just gives the uh, defensive staff the ability to mix some things up and try some new different looks. We saw some uh, different blitz package looks this week, actually, against New Orleans where they – you know, they had Hicks outside and Barwin inside. You know, you can you, when you have uh, a wide variety of personnel that can do different things, you can try different things, especially on those third and long uh, situations. So uh, as Chip Kelly said today, having too many good players is a good problem to have. And, uh, you know, it, that's definitely the case here with the inside linebacker position.
1: It's amazing how these injuries will be one of the silver linings because we wouldn't have found out about Hicks. Mm-hmm. We just thought, okay, he's going to be well, the guy waiting in the wings. Or, I would have known about Hicks. Yes, sorry, <laughs> Fran Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> Fran Duffy went to Ed Manowitz, pounding the table. <laughs> Must bring Jordan Hicks to Philly. Hey, the coaching staff thought they got a steal in the yep. third round.
0: So, Chip said that today. Get People were to thinking, what are they doing taking this guy in the third round? And He's been it's incredible. It. He's so. been
2: awesome.
1: Uh, our other question comes from at Daniel Lightner2 on Twitter. Wants to know, has anything really changed? Or was the wind padded because the Eagles played a bad 1-3 injury-decimated team? So, first things first, yes. New Orleans is a bad team. They're not good. Drew Brees doesn't have the arm anywhere to get the ball downfield. He looked like he's doing the crow hop multiple times just to get the ball down the field. Uh, Willie Sneed looks like a heck of a player. Nice little downfield weapon. Mm-hmm.
0: Brandon Cooks is a good player.
1: Brandon, I I thought Brandon Cooks was going to be like the guy. Mm-hmm. He was going to dominate this year. He's he's a complimentary guy. I don't oh, Brees, think Breeze Breeze can't get it to him. But I think that's part of the problem. Um, obviously they don't have, you know, Jimmy Graham there. They don't have the weapon there. Maybe the offensive line. Hey, they didn't have Teron Armstead. They didn't have Jari Evans. Offense struggled, and the defense just bad. I mean. We all saw the video. But he's not of,
2: disciplined is the big thing. Yeah,
1: we saw Sean Payton go to Rob Ryan. What you gonna do? Can, can you do something? <laughs> Stop them? You know. So there, I mean, there are pieces on that defense at all three levels, but overall, that's that's a team that's struggling. That's a team that's not going anywhere. And that's a, you know, you look at the Eagles in the NFC East, where the Giants are three and two. They're the front runners right now. Eagles are two and three, one game out. There's two undefeated teams in the South. So even if the Saints had any kind of hopes of turning things around, mm. you know they're looking up a long, long way to get back to the top. But still, to me, the Eagles took care of business. They mm. did what they had to do on Sunday. That was a game, especially the way that they were struggling early on to put points on the board, not move the ball, but put points on the board. That team could have unraveled. They could have said, <laughs> quarterbacks throwing interceptions in the red zone twice? Come on it's just not going to happen
2: that's right you face some adversity and you see what what they're able to do uh you know to combat that and come back and 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 stick through it and you know regardless of uh you know the quality of the opponent they still executed what they were supposed to do you still have to catch the passes you still have to make the throws you still have to make the blocks uh for a team that obviously look the eagles needed a win on sunday yeah they got it i mean that's the end of the day that's what they got so uh, wins are hard to come by, and when we get to December and it's uh, a tight NFC East race, that win's going to be a big help.
0: Yes. yeah, I don't care who it's against. A win's a win. And, yes, the Saints, they're not a very good team. Um, I think they kind of checked out towards the end of that game. They're in a lot of disarray with uh, – there's rumors about Sean Payton and whether he's going to be back next season and will Drew Brees be back. Um, is Sean Payton going to be a candidate for the Miami job? And it's just, I think there's a lot of things that are just kind of pulling new Orleans apart right now. So they're not a very good team, but I think just for the Eagles to get that shot of confidence that yes, we can run the ball when we want to, we can throw it. If we want to, we can go for over 500 yards of offense. We can take the ball away. Fletcher Cox can play at an all-pro level. I think that's a huge boost of confidence as the Eagles get into a bit of a tougher stretch in the schedule here. Not not the most difficult of schedules, but when you have the Giants coming in, when they're in first place in the division, when you're going to Carolina, when you have Dallas coming up on the other side of a bye. This is where the Eagles, if they're going to take off, this is where it has to happen. And whether it's a bad team, a good team, whoever it is, for the Eagles to finally get things clicking... And even if things aren't firing on all cylinders, just to see, uh, just to see more of you know the potential of this team and where they could be, I think that was exactly what the Eagles needed on Sunday.
1: I got the safety dance song stuck in my head. We can run if we want to, <laughs> you know. For some reason. it just that popped into my mind. But, we'll have to make the video. We'll have to you know, make like a that, music video. That would video. be a pretty entertaining video to watch. So, so with all that being said, I think that's gonna do it for us here on this edition of the Eagles Entire Podcast. Again, thank you very much for downloading. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. And uh, make sure to rate and comment to let us know what you want to hear on the podcast in the future. So for Alex Smith... And what you don't want to hear on the podcast.
2: What's this? Fight, fight, fight for the cherry and the white. For the cherry and the white. We'll fight, fight, fight. Well done, BT. I didn't even know that was coming. 5-0. Five
0: and zero. Oh. Uh, Fordham beat Penn forty-eight to forty-five at Franklin Field on Saturday. Forty-eight to forty-five, it was a barn burner. Well, go Rams.
1: That's gonna there do it go. for us here. I'm done. I've got nothing. How for did Jacksonville do in football this week? Undefeated. <laughs> As it been every week for the last forty whatever years, so undefeated. Don't have to taste the defeat. There we the go. Bitter taste of defeat. So. All right, so uh, again, for uh, Fred Duffy and Alex Smith and Brian Thomas, I'm Chris McPherson. C-Mac, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Entire Podcast.